And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And on today's show, we're going to answer the mailbag a little bit because I received an email from Stephen. He was listening to a past episode of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, and I was talking about something called a personal financial statement, and I mentioned on that show, you need to go out and fill one of those out. Well, Stephen, I guess, listened to that show because he's getting caught up or whatever, however Stephen listens to... Our show is is up to Stephen, and I'm not going to tell him there's a right way or a wrong way. Uh, he's doing what Stephen does. So anyhow, he sent me an email saying, hey, what is what is the big deal about this personal financial statement? And I'm going to answer him right now on the air. Now, I, I didn't have permission to use his name, so I only used his first name. So fortunately, he has a very, very common name, and hopefully none of you can link any of this back to Stephen. But we're going to get into that personal financial statement, and we're going to get into why it is an important document for you to have and to understand. Because the first word in personal financial statement is personal. Yeah, personal. It's all about you. Yeah, those of you like me that have a big ego, you should be all about that. Yeah, you've probably already filled out like a million of these things, right? Now, I'm just joking with you. Maybe you haven't filled out one because maybe you didn't know about a personal financial statement. And the rest of the phrase is financial statement. Financial statement. It is a statement about your finances. And when we add in personal financial statement, it's all about your personal finances. It is how you communicate to a lender what your effective net worth might be. Why do you think a lender wants to know what your effective net worth might be? I mean, after all, they ask for all of your income tax information, right? Okay, part of the reason they look for your income tax information is because the income taxes give them indications as to where you're making money so they can actually count those things for you when you're filling out a loan application. The other thing that they do is they verify income. So the only thing that they can verify income with is information that you actually provide to the Internal Revenue Service. That is the only verifiable income that's actually out there as far as the United States government is concerned. That means all that under the table stuff, all that stuff you're doing on the side hustle where you're taking cash, okay, that doesn't count because you don't report it on your taxes. Now, some of you do it correctly and you report it on your taxes, but that's what the, the lender's looking at. But that only gives the lender a part of the the picture. Does that make sense to you? The personal financial statement is something that gives basically a story. It's a story about your financial involvement in the world. It talks about what your assets are, what your liabilities are. It takes a look at your cash income and your cash expenses. It analyzes all of that information and it presents a portrait of who you are financially. Now, Tina and I, we fill out one of these every year. We do. As a matter of fact, I actually filled one of these out before I came on the show. And part of the reason I did it was we're, we're considering buying some more single family properties. We're at the final phase of selling off our last single family house. Once we do that, we're going to have traded one of our assets 
a type of asset known as real estate for another type of asset called cash. Yeah, we're going to transact from physical real estate into physical cash. Now, how does that affect me from a financial statement standpoint? Well, all it means is that I report the information on a different line because notice that I said they were both assets. They were both cash is an asset. Real estate is an asset. There's a lot of other things that you can own that are considered assets. And the neat thing about assets is that assets, depending on which type of asset that you have, assets can be put into service to make you cash flow. Now, the majority of the assets that I have on my personal financial statement do have the ability to provide me income. They do provide me cash flow. As a matter of fact, when I did an analysis of all my different types of, of income, and that's, that's one of the things that you do, is when you work on your personal financial statement, you actually list all of your different sources of income. And what I found was that 66%, Literally two-thirds of all the money that I bring into the household is passive income. It means that I do some type of physical work for about one-third of it. Yeah, about one-third of it, I actually do some type of physical work. I, I do radio, by the way. In case you didn't know, I do radio for Lifestyles Unlimited, and I enjoy doing it. I don't have to do it, but I do it because I enjoy helping you understand that there's a better path to retirement than the path that you're on. And take it from somebody that failed at retirement the first time he tried it. It took Lifestyles Unlimited to get me on the right path so that I could get myself retired. Now, my net worth says I'm a millionaire. It doesn't say that I'm a multimillionaire. Let me be very clear with you. I am classified, based on my personal financial statement, as a millionaire. There was a time in my life where I didn't qualify as a millionaire. I didn't qualify as a millionaire at all. As a matter of fact, I think I may be qualified as a possibly a hundred thousandaire, if that's such a thing. If that's such a thing. I, I don't know if that's a thing. But I definitely wasn't a millionaire, especially when I was serving in the United States military, because, you know, it, it our, let me just explain to you how our life was. We were a single income household. OK, maybe some of you out there, you're, you're doing the same thing. One of you works. The other one stays home with the children. That's what Tina and I decided to do. Uh, she decided I needed to go to work. OK, so that's how it all kind of worked out for us. Uh, I spent 27 years in the United States Army. At the end of 27 years, the Army decided it was time for me to retire. They essentially retired me. I do get a pension. I do receive a pension from the United States Army. But let me tell you about the dirty little secret about my, my pension that I get from the United States Army. I can't live off of it. No, it doesn't pay me what I need to sustain my lifestyle. It doesn't even come close. The ironic thing about a military pension is that it pays you about one-third of what you used to make when you served on active duty. Yeah. And, and in, and in most cases, it doesn't exceed like half of what you used to make. So most military retirees have a financial problem when they retire because they're trying to live off of one third or one half of what they used to make. And the meanwhile, there's, they're scrambling, trying to get into the job market. Some find that transition very easy. Some find that transition very difficult. I fell in the difficult category. I fell in the very difficult category. It took me 10 months to make that transition. Imagine this. Imagine taking whatever you make per month and divide that by a third. Okay. Take a third and try and live off of one third. 
Now do that month after month after month after month. Meanwhile, your bills have not been reduced down to one third. Does that make sense? Because you still have liabilities in your life. The only asset that you have coming in is essentially a wage. And I don't even think we can't even call that. We really can't even call that an asset because all that really is, is a cash flow. All you really own is a job. Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry if I'm, Hey, if I'm poking you in the chest and it's hurting, I'm, I'm not trying to do that to you, but sometimes the truth hurts and sometimes you need to hear the raw truth. And trust me as a guy that needed to hear the raw truth, I don't have a problem sharing it with you either. I went through financial Armageddon. I went through a 10-month period of my life where I was imploding inside because of the financial difficulty I went through when I left the military. Now, part of it was self-inflicted, and here's why. I didn't want anything to do with the military-industrial complex. I had closed that chapter in my life. When I left the United States military, I made the informed decision in this mind of mine that that part of my life was going to be done, and I was not going to persist on as a civilian working within the military-industrial complex, either as a, a general services employee for the United States government or as a contractor working for the United States government yeah, through, through a third party, right? I didn't want to do that stuff. I saw how all that worked when I was in the military, and I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't like it. I just didn't like the way it was organized. I, I saw that there are people that work really hard in those jobs, but there are also some people that are just there to get over. And I don't like people that just are there to get over. Okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you how I feel. It's my opinion. It's my show. There you go. All right, so let me get back into the assets and liabilities, and I'm going to link it back to my financial Armageddon that I was going through because what happened in my life was more of an income problem. It was more of an income problem. And the biggest problem that I had was I didn't own assets in my portfolio that were producing income for me. That was the big thing that I had to learn when I became a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. Because up until that point, I was just basically on cruise control. I got through the financial Armageddon by taking on a whole bunch of personal debt that I probably didn't need to take on. But I took it on anyhow. And then I got myself working in a job and I just figured, well, all I would have to do is, is work until the age of 70. That job would pay a pension. I'd have two pensions going for me. And then, you know, at the age of 70, I get maximum Social Security. We'd roll the dice and see how that worked out. And in the meantime, I'd be 70 years of age. I'm, I'm currently not 70 years of age. I'm currently not 60 years of age. I have been retired for four years. Half of my retirement I spent in a pandemic. It was like being in prison. I mean, you know what that's like. You went through the same thing, but you had to work. I didn't have to work. I at least had that going for me, okay? So what's all this got to do with the personal financial statement? It's the fact that I changed some things in my personal financial statement from the time when I went through financial Armageddon. From that time forward, I started doing things that changed my personal financial statement. I focused on acquiring assets. I focused on acquiring assets that would increase the equity position that I had in that asset, thereby potentially doubling or tripling my, my investment nest egg that I put into the asset. And that asset would operate correctly and it would start paying me cash flow. Now, ironically, 
I actually owned some single family properties before I became a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. This this is stuff that I bought. I don't know. I'm going to go back uh, 1999, 2003, some, somewhere in that time period. I, I That's when I bought my single family assets. And because I had been educated improperly on how to own and operate those assets, I did it all wrong. I did it completely wrong. I thought it was okay to have negative cash flow. See, I was out on the West Coast. And in, on the West Coast, that's what they teach you. That's how they teach you how to invest. You invest, you buy an asset, and then you hold on for the ride, baby, and you keep feeding that asset. Every month, you throw money into that asset because even if you're renting that asset out, it's not providing you enough income stream to cover your expenses on that asset. So it's a cash loser. So I carried on that proud tradition when I bought my real estate too. Everything that I had was a cash loser, and I was okay with it. I was totally fine with it because I didn't know anything better. I didn't know anything different. I hadn't found Lifestyles Unlimited like you're finding Lifestyles Unlimited now. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'm getting a little amped up. I need to bring my my blood pressure back down. We're going to go to break. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to explain to you some more information about this personal financial statement. Stick around. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. So when I say be ready, number one, to get ready, you better join up Lifestyles Unlimited and learn all these things we're talking about. If you're out there piddling and, you know, internet information and your buddy's information or your dad's information, it's not going to get you the results that we're talking about. You're going to have to be educated in what we're doing learn from the people that are already where you want to be join us for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com creating the lifestyle you've always wanted you're hearing lifestyles unlimited's real estate investor radio show welcome back to the second half of the lifestyles unlimited real estate investor radio show my name is al gordon and as always I'm working on your financial freedom. I should have said I'm working on your personal financial statement, but that would imply that I was actually filling it out for you. And that would be inappropriate because the the form says personal on it. You need to fill it out. You need to get a copy of a personal financial statement. Now, where should you go? Do not, do not email me and ask me for a copy of a personal financial statement. I will decline your request. And here's why. What I have may or may not work for you. It may or may not make sense to you. The one that I use, I got from my multifamily lender. Yeah, when I was going through the pre-qualification process uh, back in, I want to say it was 2017, uh, as, as part of my membership. You know, now, I've been a member of Lifestyles Unlimited since 2017. Let me just bring that to the forefront. Um, when, when I went through the educational process and I learned everything that I learned, and the first thing I did was I fixed a bunch of errors that I had made with real estate that I owned. I turned a lot of negative cash flow into positive cash flow, and it wasn't that hard to do it because all I had to do was just kind of relook at what I was doing and realize how wrong I was doing it. Yeah, it was as simple as that. I want you to first get yourself educated the way I was educated. I want you to become a member of Lifestyles Unlimited because once you have the education, 
you will also branch out and you'll start meeting people that will become part of your team. See, that's what I was describing to you a few moments ago. I reached out to somebody that I put on my team. He is a multifamily commercial lender. He's essentially a broker. He's not really, he doesn't lend money, but he brokers the money and he brokers on behalf of the buyer, which is why I like this guy and I like him on the team. Now, he provided me a copy of the personal financial statement that he likes to present to lenders. The way it is formatted, the way it's done, it's all built in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, it's it's a little clunky. I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's a little clunky. And that's part of the reason I wouldn't want to send it to you because it's a little clunky. Not everything works the way it's supposed to work. You got you to spend a little time like fine tuning some things here and there. But on the surface, everything presents exactly the way he wants to present it to a lender. So as a result of that, I'm willing to work with the quirkiness of it. So my advice to you is to get yourself educated and then find out who would be on your team that would want to see a personal financial statement. And I'm here to tell you, the people on your team that want to see that stuff, they are your lenders, your commercial lenders or brokers. Okay, very, very, very clear. I want to make that crystal clear to you. Reach out. I mean, it, you okay? I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to tell you you can probably find a pretty decent product on the internet. You, I mean, if if you're not ready to talk to lenders right now because you want to get yourself educated first, I'm with you. I get that. But you have a desire to see what this personal financial statement looks like. Maybe you have a desire to figure out what your net worth is. Maybe you want to know whether or not you're a millionaire or a multimillionaire or somewhere below that. Does that make sense? You, you could possibly be somewhere above that. Yeah, we have billionaires that are a part of Lifestyles Unlimited. It's just the way we roll. You could be a billionaire, too, if you set your mind to it. I mean, I, I think the guys that made it to billionaire status did it somewhere in around, eh, it took them about maybe 10 years. Okay? Does that help? Does that help you for planning? All right, let's get back to this personal financial statement. All of your assets are listed in one section of the personal financial statement. So that way, when, when the lenders want to see, okay, what does this guy own? What does he buy? What does he or she put into their personal portfolio? All of that stuff that I described right there, those are called assets. Now to define an asset for you, I've, I've already defined a couple, but let me hit you with the big list. Ready? Cash. Any cash you have in your possession is an asset. Now warning, with inflation going up, the value of that cash is going down. But it still has a face value. It can still purchase its face value in the economy. Therefore, it is an asset. You can trade it. It is highly liquid. You can trade it for just about anything you want in our economy, right? Okay, so cash is an asset. Any securities that you own, like stocks, bonds, those types of things, and even non-marketable securities... So you got two kinds of securities out there, and I'm not trying to get you a lesson on what securities are. Just know that there are marketable types and non-marketable types. But either one, either type of security, guess what that is? It's an asset. Now, those securities may have a cash equivalent to them. In other words, they may pay a distribution. So there may be a cash functionality to them. If so, then those are income-producing securities. Does that make sense? If there is no cash produced, in other words, no cash comes directly into your personal account, then it is not cash-producing. It is a non-cash-producing asset. Does that make sense? I know that makes sense to you. All right, what else, what else is defined as an asset? 
any investments that you have in a partnership. Now, I actually have a partnership. I have money invested in that partnership. Okay, so guess where that goes? It goes on my asset sheet. Does that par partnership pay me income? It actually does. It actually pays me a cash flow. Should be a cash producing asset for you too if you're invested in the right partnership. Does that make sense for you? Okay, what about your real estate? Definitely an asset. Definitely. I don't care if you live in that asset and consume it as an owner-occupant or, or if you own it and you rent it out to other people. Either way, it is considered an asset. Okay, real estate is definitely an asset. What about your IRAs and your 401ks and those other retirement plans out there? Now, I would call them savings accounts. That's exactly what I think they are. They are glorified savings accounts, but they are classified as assets, they can be very liquid assets. Did you know that? You could cash those in at any time. Yes, you're going to pay the taxes. Yes, you may be liable for a penalty depending on what your age is and depending on what type of retirement plan that actually is. But at the end of the day, they're actually pretty li liquid, believe it or not. A lot of Lifestyles Unlimited members convert those retirement plans into cash and then convert that cash into real estate holdings. Yeah, so that, that all three of those Movements there, everything that I just talked about right there, all of that happened within the asset realm of your personal financial statement. By doing those things, you didn't lose any money. You didn't necessarily make any money on the day you did it, but you certainly didn't lose any money. What about oil and gas? A lot of you Texans, you got oil and gas, got passed down to your family, right? Guess what that is? That's an asset. Guess what that probably does? That probably pays a cash payment to you right? It's got some kind of cash function to it. All right. So it's a cash producing asset. Most oil and gas are, but some aren't. Some people buy oil and gas interests that don't produce cash flow. In, in, in my world, there are only two types of liabilities. Now I'm going to share with you a bunch of different types of liabilities, but they're either one way or they're another way. So what am I getting at? It's either a good liability or it's a bad liability. Okay, liabilities tend to involve debt. It tends to involve something that you owe to somebody else. Does that make sense? So, so for, imagine, if you will, imagine if you will, you bought a piece of real estate, and that piece of real estate was worth $250,000. I'm going to try and keep the math as simple as possible because I know you're trying to do this while you're driving, okay? So you bought it for $250,000. You put... 20% down. So you put $50,000 down. So you, you use $50,000 of your cash and you bought into this asset. Okay. Now the asset would go on your asset column, not as $50,000 like you might think, but it would actually go for the full value of the asset, which would be $250,000. What you did was you went out and secured a loan for $200,000. Now that loan, guess where it goes? It goes into your liabilities column under real estate mortgages payable. When you're, when you're assessing your assets versus your liabilities, everything is accounted for based on the face value of what that asset has 
associated with it. Every asset has value associated with it. Even if the value is zero, that value is still associated with it. And most assets do have some type of liability associated with it. I'm, I'm going to tell you that every asset potentially has some kind of liability associated with it, and it's in the form of taxes, except taxes are not calculated as a liability. So if I told you that, I would, giving, I would be giving you a false statement because taxes are actually calculated when you get into the cash income and cash expense information, something we're not going to cover on today's show because I've already hurt your head enough. You now have a brand new $200,000 liability listed in your liability column. You take the asset, you subtract the liability from it, and what you get is your net worth, your net worth, which is your assets minus all of your liabilities. So in my example, your $250,000 house that has a $200,000 loan on it has a $50,000 net worth to you because all you did essentially is migrate the cash value into the real estate value on your, on your assets column. Does that make sense? Now, let me share with you something that real estate does that most other assets don't do. This is the neat thing about the real estate. The real estate tends to go up in value. It tends to go up in value. We know specifically real estate tends to double in value every 20 years. That means that on average, your real estate should go up in value about $8,750. It's gone up. You've been paying the loan down. The present value of that loan, I guarantee you, unless you have an interest-only loan, has gone down. The principal has been reduced. So what you have here is you have a factor where you have two forces working completely in your favor. The amount you owe is going down, yet the asset you own is going up. Imagine that happening for year number two. Now you've just made additional equity in the marketplace. All of a sudden, that $50,000 investment that you put into that asset, it's probably looking a little bit closer like it's worth $70,000. We haven't even talked about the cash flow component. That thing is probably paying you an income stream. Now, if it's like most Lifestyles Unlimited properties that we own, our properties tend to pay us about $400 per month in the single family space. Well, that works out to be almost $5,000 a year in cash flow coming into your household, which is protected by the depreciation write-offs that the government makes you take on the property, so it insulates your cash flow from you having to pay taxes on it. Are you starting to get interested now? I want you to get a copy of a personal financial statement. If you have a relationship with a lender already, go ahead and ask them for, for a copy of it. You're probably going to find that your assets barely exceed and probably are closer to equaling your liabilities, which means your net worth is probably very close to zero. As a guy that spent a good portion of my life with a net worth that was very close to zero, who no longer has a net worth worth of zero, who now classifies himself based on his personal financial statement as a millionaire and is danger close to becoming a multimillionaire, all we got to do is get some more real estate. I encourage you to do everything that I've asked you to do. 
And if you want to do what I'm doing, if you want to do what the 100,000 members of Lifestyles Unlimited are doing, go to lifestylesunlimited.com, sign up for that free workshop, and let's get you going. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.